Well, good morning, church. Uh, welcome to church. Happy Mother's Day to all our women. Uh, we love, honor, and appreciate you. Amen. And I pray that may you find uh, solace, that you find joy in this day. And I pray you peace in Jesus' name. Well, before I preach, let me just read a scripture and pray for mothers or women in general. Amen. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. Isaiah was prophesying to the nation of Israel about the restoration of their nation because at that time they were in slavery and they were in bondage. There was really nothing home to write about if you look at the present state of Israel at the time of uh, Isaiah prophesying. But Isaiah tapped into the mind of God and said something powerful in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. And I want to read it. He said, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So today, I, I believe what I feel the Spirit of the Lord leading me is to pray for comfort for women on Mother's Day. Amen. So I really want to pray comfort. I want to pray peace. I want to pray prosperity upon your life. Uh, because women are very important, are dear to us, especially mothers. Uh, it takes a woman to give birth, but it takes a mother to give life. And that's a big difference. So we, we want to be able to appreciate our life nurturers and life givers. Amen. So join me and let's pray for mothers. Father, we thank you that we have a great opportunity to celebrate mothers and women in general. I pray that, Lord, send them comfort. Comfort them. Be their great consolation and their great hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day once again. Amen. Now, please turn with me to the book of John, chapter 16, verse 7 to 15. John chapter 16, verse 7 to 15, and we are still on our series, The Lordship of Jesus Christ, amen, from the book of John. And today is part 77, and I'm ministering under the sub-theme, The Helper. So there's the fourth installment on the series, under a series, The Helper. John chapter 16, verse 7 to 15. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them or hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take off what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he will take off mine and declare it to you. Amen. Holy Spirit, breathe upon your scriptures. Be the inspiration. Be the force behind this message. I submit myself totally and wholly to your leadership as I minister by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit's present-day ministry on earth after the ascension of Christ. You know, if you look at this background of the story, Jesus was just about to die. And sorrow had really filled the hearts of these disciples. And Jesus said that, look, don't be sad. It is to your advantage that I'm going. It's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. Don't let all these things I have said with you cause you to stumble. And we've looked at that. Don't stumble. But rather see that in my departure and in my absence, it is to your advantage because the helper is going to come. And right here from verses 7 to 15, Jesus explicitly spoke to us about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So in our passage scripture that we read today, there are three words that stood out, which has become the basis or the fulcrum of our series. Convict, guide, glorify. Convict, guide, glorify. So from this scripture, we can infer that the Holy Spirit convicts, The Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit glorifies. So last week, we spent time dwelling on the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit from verses 8 to 11. And what does it mean to convict? Convict also means to convince. It means to bring to light. And it means to bring exposure. So we looked at three fields that the Holy Spirit convicts from verses 8 to 11. The first field is the world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world because they do not believe in him. He convicts the world for unbelievers to accept the call to salvation. He convicts the world for unbelievers to receive or to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And like we said last week, There is no amount of preaching any man of God can do, no matter how much charisma you may possess, no matter how much oratory skills you may have. You may have gone to Toastmasters, you may have done courses on communication. That is not what brings sinners to their knees and accept the call to salvation and make Jesus their Lord and personal Savior. We've come to realize from scriptures that when someone receives Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, it's actually the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we spoke about that last week. The second field is the Holy Spirit convicts believers of righteousness. And like we explained, righteousness is the ability to stand in front of God without any sense, guilt, or inferior complex. You have no shame. You are able to come to the Father boldly to the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy. Amen. The third thing that we realized was the devil. The Holy Spirit convicts the devil of judgment. And I like that. Can you believe that as we are meeting today in church, 
the Holy Spirit is convicting the devil of judgment. He is judged. He is a defeated foe. And last week, I believe that we had that inspiration that we should not be afraid of the devil because the enemy that we are fighting, he has been stripped. He has been defeated. And to top it on top, he is judged. Amen. So we learned that. So today, let's move on to the next aspect and we are covering the ministry of guidance. So we've looked at the ministry of conviction. Today we want to look at the ministry of guidance. So the Holy Spirit guides. But one thing we have to know is that before we talk about the Holy Spirit's guidance, we can skip verses 12, which talks to us about the Holy Spirit, whose name is also known as the Spirit of Truth. He is the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit is not deceptive in nature, so he will not lead you into deception. It's very important to know that when you put your trust in the Holy Spirit, when you foster relationship with the Holy Spirit, there is no way you will ever be susceptible to deception because the Holy Spirit is not a deceiver by nature. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead you into error. He is called the spirit of truth. He doesn't play guesswork or guesstimates. You know, making a rough calculation while guessing. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what he does is very pinpoint, is acute, is very accurate, is straight to the shots. That's the Holy Spirit. He's not a spirit of error. Hence his name, the spirit of truth. So when we put our trust in this spirit being who is divine who possesses the attributes of god who is the third person of the trinity who is also god the holy spirit we will not descend into error the holy spirit doesn't lead one into falsehood in john chapter 8 we did that the devil is called the father of all lies the devil the holy spirit doesn't lead us into falsehood neither is the holy spirit a liar he is called the spirit of truth. So that's one thing we have to know. And the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Now, what's the meaning of the word guide here? The word guide here means he will lead us or he will teach us. May I say to you that the Holy Spirit is a leader. One of the best places to get leadership lessons is from the Holy Spirit because he is a leader. He guides he leads, he teaches. And the Bible lets us know that he will lead us into all truth. Now, the truth here is a context. When we are talking about all truth here, we are not talking about a broader or general truth. Like I keep on saying, whenever you read the Bible, be careful of the words all, every. Because sometimes when you are reading the Bible carefully, all and every, sometimes it's in a context. It might not necessarily mean a broadened view of every or a broadened view of all. Sometimes the all and the every is in a context. So let me bring to your understanding when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead, will guide us into all truth. There are five things I want us to consider when we talk about all truth in this scripture. So when we say the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, 
The first truth that we have to know is that he will guide us into the truth of who God is. The verity of God. The substance of God. The reality of God. God is real. God is substantial. God is not a figment of man's imagination. God is not a myth. And you can't know God by books. You can't even know God by the Bible. You will know God by the Holy Spirit who is the author of the Bible. That's what I'm trying to say. Because once upon a time, I did a course called CRS, Christian Religious Studies. And there were teachers who used to read the Bible like a manual. And they would come and teach it. And they would be able to explain things to a point. Especially, we, you would do places like First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Samuel, First and Second Samuel, Ezra. Those are the books you normally tackle in college, and they are able to explain it, give a historical background and everything. But they didn't believe in it because they just read the book like a manual. And that's why I'm saying that that book can even help you to know God. But if you don't approach the Bible with the author in mind, who is the Holy Spirit, who is able to breathe light into the scriptures and give you a revelative understanding and a progressive knowledge of God, you will know God. So you can't know God by any means, but by through the Holy Spirit. So, when we submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when we foster a relationship with the Holy Spirit, one of the things that we will come to know is we will know who God is. And we will come to testify of the truth that God is real. So, when you see someone who is saying that God is not real, don't get upset about it. Because maybe he hasn't experienced the leadership, the teaching, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, that is the first truth. The truth of who God is. The verity of God. When, when you understand that, you will know that God is more than a creator. He is a father. When you know that, you will know that God is holy. When you know that, you will understand who God is. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You will come to understand who God is. And the beautiful thing is that as you continue in your walk of faith with God, the knowledge becomes progressive and it goes deeper. Amen. The second truth is that you will know the truth of who Christ is. He's the Son of God. And He is God. That's who Christ is. Up until this time, when Jesus was talking, the disciples knew him as son of Mary. They knew him as a teacher. They knew him as a good man. They knew him as a prophet. But it was going to take the Holy Spirit's guidance for them to know that Jesus is more than all of these. He is the son of God, and he is also God. You know... One of the disciples Jesus was speaking to on this particular day was John. And when you read Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 to 11, John had a, a divine revelation of Jesus who he worked with for three years. 
He saw him in his divine glory, in his pristine heights. But before he saw him, notice what John said. He said that I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then the next verse, he saw Jesus, who said that I am the Alpha and the Omega, not the son of Mary, not the carpenter, not the good teacher. I am the Alpha and the Omega. You see, it took the Holy Spirit igniting John to be able to have a different view of who Jesus was. And that was the correct lens. He saw Jesus in his divine, pristine heights as the Son of God, as God. So let me tell you, you can only know Christ you can really understand the identity of Christ through the Holy Spirit. So that is how that is also truth that he's going to teach us. He is going to teach us the truth of who Christ truly is. No wonder in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3, Apostle Paul says that nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And when you have the Spirit upon you, you can also not say Jesus is accursed. So you can't come to a place where you will appreciate the Lordship of Christ until the Holy Spirit guides us into that truth. The third truth that the Holy Spirit will guide us into is the truth of the gospel. We come to understand what is the gospel and we come to see the truth of the gospel. When you read Galatians chapter 1, the Bible lets us know that Apostle Paul understood the gospel. And the gospel that he was talking about was the gospel of grace. He said he didn't receive it from any man, but he got it from the revelation of Jesus Christ. And how do you think that revelation was sparked? It was sparked by the relationship he had with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. So the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth of who God says. The Holy Spirit guides us into who Christ is, and Christ is the Son of God, and He is God. And then the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth of the gospel. The fourth truth is that He guides us into the truth of what Christ has done in regards to our salvation. And thank God for the epistles. All the epistles that were written, from Romans to Jude, they were Spirit-inspired. They were not given by private interpretation, but holy men of God, they wrote the books as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that is why in those epistles, you can find out about what Christ has done pertaining to our salvation. When he died on the cross, some of the fringe benefits and blessings we had were joy, were peace, were righteousness, were redemption, were divine wisdom. You will be able to understand and appreciate all these blessings and understand all these came as a result of Christ dying, him being buried, him resurrected, and him ascending to the Father. You will come to understand that by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing, the Holy Spirit will teach us the truth of God's word, which is the Bible. So five things, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, you have to consider these five things. One, he will guide us into the truth of who God is. Two, he will guide us into the truth of who Christ is. 
Three, he will guide us into the truth of the gospel. We come to understand what is the gospel. Today, everybody says they are preaching the gospel. But you can really understand what is the gospel truly when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit and you allow him to guide you. He will guide you to the truth of the gospel. And during Paul's time, there were many preachers. But Paul was preaching the truth of the gospel because it was revealed to him by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Number four, you will know the truth of what Christ has done in regards to our salvation. And five, you will know the truth of God's word, which is the Bible. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Amen. He will guide us into all truth pertaining our Christian faith. Anything that has to do with our Christian faith, the Holy Spirit will guide us into that truth. So when we are talking about truth, we are not talking about something general or broad, but we are talking about truth in a context. Amen. Now, there are many impressions by which the Holy Spirit can guide us by. Are you understanding me? He guides us by our born-again spirits. He guides us by peace, whether by the presence or the lack of it. There are many ways by which he guides us. He sometimes guides us through visions, dreams, or even through a man of God. He guides us. But the main resource material by which the Holy Spirit will guide us by is the Bible. The Bible. So when we are talking about the Holy Spirit will guide us, look no further than the Bible. That is his main resource material by which he will guide us because he's the express author of that book. All his intents, all his desire, all his decisions, all his will, everything can be found in that book. And that is how he's going to guide us. Amen. So, in this message so far, we have looked at truth in a context and defined what truth by which the Holy Spirit will guide us by. So, it's going to be a grave mistake, grave danger. It will be error on your part to neglect the Bible and expect the Holy Spirit as a force, a sensation, or a mystical figure to do something. There are many people who says that they are walking by the Spirit and they are walking by the Spirit bereft of the Word of God. They have reduced the Holy Spirit to a sensation, to a feeling, to, to, to a mystical being. And sometimes when you do that without governing yourself within the parameters of the Word, you become a very spooky Christian at best. Spooky. In fact, we shouldn't even put those words together because it's an anomaly. When you are a Christian, you can't be spooky. But there are some people who have received Christ as their Lord and who have become spooky, claiming they are walking in the Spirit. And how can you become spiritual? How can you say you are walking in the Spirit bereft of the Word of God? For you to have guidance of the Holy Spirit, you have to be filled with the Word of God because the Holy Spirit is going to guide you by the Word of God. There's a scripture I keep quoting whenever I, I talk about issues like this. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. The Bible says that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself. Some versions use that rises itself against the knowledge of God. Now, everything that I have talked about so far in 2 Corinthians 10, 45 has to do with the mind. It talks about strongholds, imaginations, thoughts, knowledge. All this is in the arena of the mind. So now my question, if you don't read the Bible and you hear a voice or you claim you have been impressed to do something, how will you know that this voice or this thought is for the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of God? Are you understanding me? Because the Holy Spirit, like I said, he will move by impression. He will move by whether we have peace or we don't have peace. He will sometimes allow us to perceive some things in our spirits or bear witness to some things. But the question is, if you don't read the Bible and you are not in the know of the counsel of God's word, how do you know that this counsel that I am receiving by inspiration, it is for the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of God? So, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth by the main resource material, which is called the Bible. Amen. So, now, let us look at how he will do it. Okay? So, now, we've looked at truth. We've defined all truth. And we've looked at five areas of truth by which the Holy Spirit will guide us into. Then, secondly... We have looked at by what means would the Holy Spirit guide us into all truth. We've come to understand that he will guide us by the written word of God, which is the Bible. So now, how will he guide us? That question is answered in the latter part of verse 13. So let's read the latter part of verse 13 again. Verse 13. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Amen. So, note, there are three things on how the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So now, we've looked at the definitive view of all truth in John 16. The truth of who God is, the truth of who Christ is, the truth of the gospel, right? We've looked at that. Now, let's look at how he will guide us into all truth. The truth in God's word and the truth of Christ's death, the benefits in regards to our salvation. So now, how is he going to do it? Look at it. The first one. He will not speak on his own authority. He will not speak on his own authority. So now we are looking at how. He will not speak on his own authority. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that every word uttered by the Spirit is in line with the word of God. That is what it means. He will not speak on his own authority. 
because his authority is governed by the parameters of the word. That's why there's an important phrase in the Bible that we need to take note of, especially these days. 1 John 4, 1. The Bible says, Beloved, do not believe that every spirit is of God. Test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? You test the spirits by the word of God. Sometimes there are some people who can say weird things. Weird things like, the Holy Spirit says, I should divorce my wife. Test the spirit. I don't doubt that you didn't hear a voice. I don't doubt that you didn't have an impression. I don't doubt that you didn't perceive something. But is it in line with God's word? Is that knowledge for the knowledge of God? Is that thought for the knowledge of God? Or is it against the knowledge of God? Because if it's against the knowledge of God, it will be cast down. It's an imagination. And when you look at the Bible, the Lord says that what man has put together, let no one put asunder. So generally, divorce is not of God. Generally. There are some few cases where you can draw exceptions, but the exception is not the rule. But generally, God is against divorce. So you can't say that the Holy Spirit has said I should divorce, but it is against his authority. And the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit will not speak against his own authority. He will speak on the authority of God's word. That's what it means. So when he says that he will not speak on his own authority, that means that his will is subjected to the word of God, which he is the author of. He won't speak against it. Maybe you are fasting and praying because someone is disturbing you at your office and you are praying that that person should die because you sense that is the will of God. Are you sure? But I thought when we read the book of Matthew, Jesus says that pray for your enemies. Bless your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Pray for them. So how can the Holy Spirit tell you something that is against the authority of God's word? So be careful. Test the spirits. And how do you test the spirits? You test the spirits by this thought that I'm receiving, this impression that I'm receiving. Is it in line with God's word? That's why it's important to read the Bible. And that's why I'm saying that the Holy Spirit, for him to guide us into all truth, he will guide us by the word of God. Now, how will he guide us? He guides us by not speaking on his authority. Because everything that he will have to do, it has to be governed by the parameters of God's word. Amen. The second thing, he speaks what he hears. He speaks what he hears. Meaning, God the Father and God the Son have jointly declared is what the Holy Spirit is presently declaring to us. So if you want to know the mind of the Father or the mind of the Son, look no further than the Holy Spirit. Because what the Father and the Son have jointly declared is 
is what the Holy Spirit is declaring to us. Or let me even use the word echoing to us. They are the same. And when you read 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 to 7, the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son, they are one. They are one in testimony. They are one in witness. They are one in operation. They are one in essence. They are one in nature. They agree on everything. So what God the Father and what God the Son have declared is what the Holy Spirit is presently declaring to us. He's not declaring anything abstract or divorce of the thoughts of God the Father and God the Son. He speaks what he hears. Amen. And then the third way, he will tell you things to come. I like that. That's how he will guide you. Many Christians today are spiritually deaf. Many Christians today are spiritually blind. They don't have foreknowledge because they are not in relationship with the Holy Spirit. They are not in communion. And I pray that as we are hearing this message, may it spark a revival in our spirits. May it spark an interest in us to develop relationship with the Holy Spirit because he will tell you things to come. That is part of guidance, foreknowledge. When you read Acts chapter 27, once upon a time, Paul was set on a voyage and the voyage had disaster. There was a shipwreck. But before the shipwreck came, Paul told the officers, the, 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 the helmsman, that I perceive that this ship or this voyage will end in disaster. You see, perceive. That means to feel an impression, to have a witness. Or maybe that the lack of peace or the presence of peace. All that is perception. Paul perceived because he was in touch with the Holy Spirit, who the Bible calls an advantage. Amen. So, I want you to notice carefully that the three points from the latter part of verse 13 contains some very important words I want us to know. Speaks is mentioned twice and then tell. So, what does it tell us? Personally, this tells me that the Holy Spirit is very vibrant, he's very active, and he's very lively. It's very unfortunate that some of us have reduced him to a force a wind or a sensation or even oil. Some have even reduced the Holy Spirit to oil. The Holy Spirit is divine. The Holy Spirit is a being. The Holy Spirit can speak. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not just a chill bump. He's more than that. He's a divine being with a divine presence. He's in the same breath and in the same class as God. And secondly, what this teaches me is that the Holy Spirit is vested in a relationship. He is relational. It will be to our disadvantage when we don't learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. My time is running and let me close with this scripture. Paul's benediction to the Corinthian church is a blessing. And let's read it in conclusion to our message. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, I don't want you to forget this scripture. And we all use this for the benediction. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Paul has discussed and defined the nature of the Trinity in this closing benediction to the Corinthian church. When you want to understand the grace of God, the nature of grace is Christ. As John 1 rightfully say, for he became grace and peace. The law came by Moses, but grace and peace came through Christ. And, and he's not just, he, he didn't just come with grace and peace. He's the embodiment of grace. He's grace personified. Love. God is love. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is relational. He has come to commune with us to help us to understand the Bible better. He has come to commune with us, to tell us the secrets of the Father. He has come to commune with us, to help us so that we will be regenerated into that new man and we will begin to bear forth fruits worthy of repentance and fruits of the new creation. Listen, it will be to our disadvantage if we don't fellowship with the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said that it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. That's why I'm going, because the Holy Spirit will take over. And we want to thank God for this gift that the Holy Spirit has given to us. Beloved, I want to close by saying this, that make it a goal, a habit, a mindset, a prayer, a burning desire that I want to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because when I fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I experience his convicting ministry and I also experience his guiding ministry. Next week, we'll round it up with glorify. Let's pray. I've delivered your word to your people. Lord, I pray that may we have such a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit. May we foster a union. May we foster a relationship. Teach those who have never even walked those waters before. Thank you, Lord. I submit the workings of your word to your people. Have your way in their lives, Lord. Teach them what they need to do next in relation to having fellowship with your spirit. Amen. God bless you. I hand over to Pastor Jessica.